Okay, so the priest always has a choice to preach on the reading, the first reading. A lot of times we don't spend enough time on the first on the first reading, usually from the Old Testament. I have tried to balance some of that, or the gospel, or maybe a feast day. And today we have St. Kateri Tekawitha. She is a very interesting saint, one that I've turned to and have a love for because she's from right here near us. If you are anywhere in our area, please come by because you could make in one day a trip to the North American Martyr Shrine in Orysville and still come down here and see us at the shrine. Uh, come by the Marion Helper Center, say hello. I would love to meet you. We've already had some people from the live streams come over. I was blessing religious articles and uh, give you a copy of my book and sign it for you. So please come by. We'd love to have you come. But St. Kateri is interesting. Um, she is one of the few American born saints. Now, fully canonized saints, there's only three. We have some blesseds and venerables, but there's only three and no males. The only two that are in the running right now, there's a few for male born, Solanus Casey from Detroit, Fulton Sheen, but the actual American born canonized, fully canonized saints, there's only three. You have Elizabeth Ann Seton, St. Catherine Drexel, which is known in the Philadelphia area, and St. Kateri, Tekawitha. Now she's the first Native American to be canonized. And there's actually surprisingly four who are vener venerable. She's actually um, the fourth to be venerated. So she's a big hitter here. Now her feast day, July 14th, is also Bastille Day in France, kind of ironic because the secular world likes to celebrate that. And that was the French Revolution, which we call the Enlightenment. How ironic that society calls the time of Bonaventure and Aquinas and some of the greatest writings even before them as the Dark Ages. And yet we call the time of the French Revolution the Enlightenment. It's actually the opposite. Those times in the writings of Bonaventure Aquinas and all the others, Peter Lombard and others before him, <clears throat> were not the Dark Ages. Those were the Enlightenment because the, the scholastics turned to God. They, they saw human reason in line with God's providential care. Then all of a sudden man gets too smart for himself and has this enlightenment that we don't need God anymore. And the French Revolution was a real bad result of that. Now, this Saturday, we invite you to join us because I'm going to be doing a talk on Mary Magdalene. Her feast day is next week, the 22nd of July. And so I'm going to be doing a talk on Saturday about the Da Vinci Code, Mary Magdalene, and the Holy Grail, what's true, the falsities that non-Catholics like to promote, and even some of us own Catholics, because we don't know our faith. We invite you to join us. Now, all that being said and done, July 14th is her day. Now, her dad was a Mohawk chief, lived just up the road from us here, 
over into New York. We're in the Massachusetts western border, and she is right into upstate New York. So her dad was this Mohawk chief, and her mother was an Algonquin Indian, and her mom was Catholic because the Jesuit missionaries had started to come over. Now, Kateri means Catherine. So Kateri, K-A-T-E-R-I, is Catherine. She was named after St. Catherine of Siena. A great example. Now, born in Orysville, New York, which I said is just up the road, in 1656, that's where our North American Martyr Shrine is. Now, she, I'm wearing white because she wasn't martyred. She actually died very young um, <clears throat> of smallpox. Or they, in the smallpox that the natives caught because uh, they didn't have a lot of a natural immunity, um, scarred her face and she used to cover her whole head with a blanket uh, to hide these smallpox scars. And um, so she wasn't really very popular amongst the other tribe members. Now, she was basically raised by her aunt and her uncle who opposed Christianity. Now we've seen that before. And uh, she learned from the Jesuit missionaries who came into the village and they actually, the, um, the natives let them because there was a treaty that they had with the French and they would call them the black robes. Those were the cassocks of the French Jesuit missionaries. Now, her aunt, this is kind of funny, her aunt became very concerned about her lack of interest in men at 13 years old. <laughs> So her aunt was like, uh, Kateri, you know, you're not showing any interest in men. So they pressured her into marriage at 13. And she said no. Now, what's interesting is they tried, this aunt tried to arrange a marriage and Kateri fled. She ran out of the cabin. You know, think of this poor guy. They bring this brave in to be her selected spouse and she took one look at him and she running out screaming and crying. I mean, that is a blow to any male ego. <laughs> so so um, here she is, but it wasn't because of him. It was because of her vow. She professed the evangelical vow of chastity her whole life. This was important to her. So it was stunning because in the Native American culture, this was not common. Uh, a Native woman's life depended on being married. Isn't that something? People say, oh, well, the Indians are just pagan. Even they knew the sanctity of marriage. Really? It's like we are this most advanced, enlightened, Western, civilized culture, and we don't understand marriage? but yet a primitive Stone Age pagan culture, as they're accused of being, totally understood marriage. Totally understood it was between one man and one woman. Now there's some other examples of, you know, ancient polygamy and all that, but, but here's the point. They wanted her to get married. She didn't. <clears throat> she made this vow. So basically her whole community shunned her. She was very mistreated. Her aunt was mean to her. Uh, but she stuck with it. She persevered. At 19 years old then, she was baptized. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> this meant that she would now have to be a slave in the tribe. That's something. You talk about taking one for God. She, to be baptized, 
At 19 meant she now would be a slave. She refused to work on Sunday, the Lord's Day, so they wouldn't let her eat on a Sunday. Because again, they had, even though they were pagan, they had that understanding like St. Paul, you don't work, you don't eat. The difference was her reason for not working was the Lord's Day. So anyway, um, she was basically working with the French Jesuits. Then all of a sudden, here's another interesting fact. Her village was attacked by the Mohicans. You've all probably heard of the Mohican Indians, right? James Fenimore Cooper, the last of the Mohicans. Do you know who the Mohicans were? The Mohicans were the Stockbridge Indians. We are in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, the home of the Stockbridge Indians. These were the Mohicans. And so you can come here, you can see a, a history down in our downtown of the Mission House where the Indians would come and learn about Christianity. And the Stockbridge Indians who were here before the white settlers came or the uh, European settlers, um, they were the Mohicans. And so these Mohicans went up to Orysville and they attacked this Mohawk tribe. Now, St. Kateri tended to these wounded. Now, here's what's interesting. She, they were all mistreating these captured Mohicans because the Mohawks had taken some prisoners. And that was not accepted then. And here's Kateri sneaking around, giving food, drink, and medical care to these Mohican Indians. They looked at her, the documents and the records show that the Mohicans were like, they had never, you just didn't do that to your enemy. You just, you, you tortured them, you killed them. And so they're looking at Kateri like, who's this? And St. Kateri's Christ-like to these Mohican Indians, treating them with love and kindness. And so she got in trouble with her tribe. <clears throat> and so, she brought a whole new way of thinking. And so she helped to allow them also to be baptized before they were killed by the Mohawks. So before the Mohawks killed these prisoners, she was arranging for them to be baptized. Wow. That's why she's one of my divine dozen. But anyway, in 1671, then the Mohawk chief became a Christian. Now, this is where it all began to change. And he allowed her to study Catholicism. So she left to go on, but the, the, the tribe still never really accepted her. So she ended up fleeing and she went up to a Jesuit mission near Montreal where other converts, uh, Indian women had come also. And she would put thorns on her sleeping mat. So she would sleep with thorns as part of her sleeping mat for the forgiveness of her tribe for the, the, the sins of the tribe. How many of us are doing penance for the sins of our family, the sins of our, our relatives, us Marians, the sins of our brothers? This is a great example. And so anyway, she and a few of these other nuns, uh, or uh, Indians wanted to become nuns. And so they were ready to become nuns. So the church considers that in 1679, with her decision on the Feast of the Annunciation, right, her conversion was complete, and they call her the first virgin of the Mohawks.
And so she died during Holy Week the next year in 1680. Now here's what's interesting. She died at exactly 3 p.m. Now here's what's fascinating to me. Some accounts say her last words, dying on Holy Week at 3 p.m. were Jesus, I love you. And there's accounts where she said, Jesus, I trust in you. If that account is true, whoa. They mean the same, to love and to trust, but I think that's powerful, very much so. So anyway, 15 minutes after her death, her face completely changed and all her scars disappeared. All of the, the, the flaws, this is what's gonna happen to us in eternity when we get our glorified body. You will no longer have illness, you will no longer have disability, you will no longer have deformity. We will no longer have all these things, we'll be glorified. And so anyway, she appeared to two Indian women and a priest after her death, and they documented this. So now, who is she? St. Uh, Kateri is known as the patron saint of the environment, which I think is good for a Native American with their love of, of the nature. Um, her miracle, to be, um, she was beatified and then canonized. A miracle was she healed a man of smallpox with a piece of wood from her coffin that was touched. Uh, that was her beatification, I think, but her sainthood, or that way, maybe that was her sainthood, I'm not sure. But her sainthood is symbolized by the events that show overcoming death. So uh, this is very, very powerful. And that, remember, death is the last enemy that Jesus put under his feet. So anyway, her, her, um, her sainthood is also symbolized or represented by also accepting the pain on behalf of another. That's what mercy is. She's a mercy saint. Remember mercy? Having pains in your heart for the pains of another and taking pains to do something about their pain? That's what she did. So her second miracle, the first was the wood of the coffin touched to the man healed with smallpox. The second miracle was she stopped flesh-eating disease of a boy in Washington in 2006. And the reason they gave it to her, this boy knew nothing. But he said he was cured, or the doctors said he was cured of flesh-eating disease. And they, they were talking to this boy and he said, a nun, a nun named Terry, he was trying to pronounce the word. And he said, a nun named Kateri appeared at his bedside and prayed for him. And so they, as they talked to this little boy, he knew nothing about any Saint Kateri, or I mean, at that time she wasn't Saint, but knew nothing about her. All he knew is this nun named Kateri shows up at his bedside and he's instantly cured. Powerful stuff. So anyway, Jesus allowed, and I'm gonna have Brother JP read from the Diary of St. Faustina today, 1085, because in paragraph 1085, St. Faustina talks about how Jesus allowed her to suffer, a lot like Kateri. So Jesus allowed St. Faustina's suffering in a lot of the same ways. And we'll read about that here at the end of mass in St. Faustina's diary. But I wanna finish by saying today 
is I, you all know I'm a history buff and I, I think there's so much that we need to learn from the past to not repeat in the future. But today is July 14th. And on this day in 1933, the Nazi eugenics began. What is eugenics? Eugenics is population control, um, weeding out the weak, um, superior races. This began with compulsory sterilization in Nazi Germany, 1933, on this day. And so I think it's important that we be careful, um, pray that God will lead you. I know right now that people are writing me hundreds of letters about, Father, how come you guys have not said anything about the vaccine? We have. We've, we've just said, follow what the church teaches, what your diocese teaches. But please, be, be, be prudent. Um, I've been getting a lot of reports of the vaccine with possible ovary damage to reduce sperm counts in men, uh, possible things that could affect uh, fertility. So please just be careful um, which your, which your, uh, God's leading you in your discernment. There's moral grounds to be careful. Pray, do what the Lord leads your heart. Um, the MNRA that's in it has discovered um, to be part of that. Now the owner, or excuse me, the discovery of the MRNA uh, has come out against the use of the vaccine. So these are a lot of interesting facts that we need to pray. And I think St. Faustina is a great, great person to pray to today. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into all this. People will write me and tell me I'm in a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm not. I think all I want to say is, you know, Noah was a conspiracy theorist until it started raining. Then all of a sudden he wasn't a conspiracy theorist. So let us pray today to St. Kateri to enlighten us, to help us to follow God's will in all things. Um, suffering was a big part of her life. God bless all of you who have been affected, who have been afflicted. Uh, we've lost the precious, precious Father Seraphim and uh, Father Gurgle uh, to the coronavirus. So I, I think of them especially on these days. And I, I do wanna say one last thing. Um, I had 120 voicemails and I'm getting to them, I promise, uh, as some of you. And I haven't checked them for a couple of weeks, so they added up the last couple of weeks to 120 new voicemails. And uh, I'm worried because I, I don't want to miss any of them. And so I asked our IT guys, um, am I in jeopardy of any of the uh, voicemails having not been allowed to be left because my voicemail was full? You know, at 120, I'm worried, is my voicemail full? And he said, well, call the call your number. And if it says the voicemail's full, you'll know. I said, well, no, because I already deleted a bunch. So I won't know if some of you tried calling me and you couldn't get through because it says there's no voicemail. <laughs> so, so I said to our IT guys, um, hey, Mike, am I in jeopardy of my voicemail having been full? I think I had probably like 130 before I started deleting. He goes, you have 130 voicemails? I said, yeah. Is there any damage or not damage, but potential that, that the voicemail was full and somebody couldn't leave me a message? He said, no, I think you're okay. Father Kaz has 1,276 voicemails. 
<laughs> and so I'm, my point to this is, first of all, I'm getting to you. I'm getting back to you. Oh, God bless you all through your patience. I got a list today. I'm going to start making phone calls back. But the reason I brought this up is one of the voicemails was from Father Seraphim. And Peter, my assistant, came in and he said, well, I deleted all the old voicemails. He said, but there's one I don't think you want to delete. And I said, which one? He says, it's from Father Seraphim. And in it, Father Seraphim had left a message for me. And in that message for me, he had talked about the North American Martyr Shrine. So I'm like, holy mackerel. This is a beautiful gift that God gives us. To me, it's our whole faith. What a beautiful gift we have in this faith. And when we see people like Father Seraphim, we how how much God has given us people ahead of us to give us this faith. Let's not lose it. So people like Father Seraphim, St. Kateri, my other divine dozen, St. Rita, St. Louis, St. Paul, these are St. Father or uh, St. Stanislaus Papchinski, all the others. These are great examples for us to turn to, for us to love, and for us to be given in many, many ways a guidepost to know what to do to live our faith to the fullest. So please do that. Let's be prudent, but let's always stand for the truth. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.